Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Hey, it's Annie. Just a quick heads up, this is an episode from Politico's Weedcast. The episode originally aired on June 17th of this year. All right, here's the show. Hope you enjoy. Hey there, I'm Natalie Fertig. I'm a cannabis reporter at Politico, and this is Weedcast, your weekly look at the marijuana industry. Please be seated. We're honored to have you here. On a Thursday in 2018, state leaders in Utah, including then-Governor Gary Herbert, gathered to make this announcement. I know there's a subject of great interest throughout the state on the use of uh, marijuana as a medicine. Uh, we have a number of stakeholders here, uh, not only in front of you here in the chairs, but uh, in the audience and others that aren't here couldn't make it today. But stakeholders who've come from different perspectives, different backgrounds and, and different points of view. One of those stakeholders there to support a medical marijuana deal was the Mormon Church. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Elder Jack Gerard, General Authority 70, representing the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. For years, the Mormon Church had been working to oppose medical marijuana. For months, they'd been organizing opposition to a ballot initiative that would legalize medical marijuana. But then, on October 4th, 2018, Gerard, a high-level leader of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, did this 180. We'll de-escalate our activities in opposition to Proposition 2. We believe it creates a framework that is good for patients, their caregivers, is good for children, and in our mind, that's good for Utah. Okay, so here's how the Mormon Church signed on to Utah's push to legalize medical marijuana, and what it says about the path forward for other deeply red states like Idaho and Kansas. Utah is a conservative state, politically and culturally. 58% of voters went for then-President Donald Trump in the 2020 presidential election. And it has some of the toughest alcohol laws in the country. Grocery stores and restaurants can't sell beer above 5% alcohol content. And that's one of the lowest caps, actually, in the nation. Most Utah residents are Mormon. Six out of ten are what's called active church members. And according to the church's official handbook, which many Mormons live by, you can't smoke tobacco, drink alcohol or coffee if you're part of the religion. And you must abstain from other substances that are, quote, harmful, illegal, or addictive, or that impair judgment. So that includes marijuana. If there's one thing that you need to know about Utah politics, it's that having the Mormon church in your corner is key to forging a winning coalition in the state. The AP reported that in 2019, nine out of 10 state legislators were Mormon. The church's influence over policy is so strong that traditional bars were not even allowed in Utah until 2003. So for three years, a group of advocates and lawmakers, many of whom were members of the Mormon church themselves, tried and failed to push medical legalization through the state legislature. Then in 2018, they gave up on the legislature and decided to take the issue to voters. At first, the church really opposed the ballot measure, called Proposition 2. In August of that year, Gerard and others, including the Utah Sheriff's Association, held a press conference to organize against Prop 2, 
which the church saw as being way too close to recreational marijuana. We call on lawmakers, patients, and community leaders to come together to find an appropriate solution to benefit all Utahns. That same day, church leaders sent an official church announcement to members in Utah, urging them to vote against the measure. The letter said that the coalition opposed Prop 2 on the grounds that it would create a, quote, serious threat to Utah's youth by, quote, making marijuana generally available with few controls. But the group did note that they were not against medical marijuana overall, just medical marijuana as it would have existed under Prop 2. Once the church realized, though, that the issue had really broad support, that's when the tide started to turn. So the church reached out to advocates and proposed a compromise. Stakeholders got together in this room and they hammered out a medical marijuana bill that was way more conservative than the ballot measure. And they actually agreed to replace the ballot measure with that bill. The October press conference in the Gold Room was the official announcement that a compromise had been reached. The church backed down on opposing the ballot initiative now that it was inherently toothless and it passed in November. Then the Utah legislature held a special session in December to pass the compromise bill, which replaced the ballot measure. Six substitutes, House Bill 301, having received 22 yay votes, four nay votes, three being absent, passes, shall be signed by the president and sent to the House for the signature of the speaker. The compromise bill was more conservative. It allowed for fewer total business licenses and had stipulations like making sure that no pharmacies, as weed dispensaries are called in Utah, were within a thousand feet of a community location. It also requires that pharmacists be on hand in dispensaries to check every order. Even though legalizing marijuana has tons of support nationwide, 14 states, mostly in the Deep South and the Great Plains, have not even embraced it yet for medical use. Utah's path to medical legalization could potentially be a playbook for some of those more conservative and often very religious states, where most lack a ballot initiative process and have really influential groups that are staunchly opposed to marijuana legalization. By the way, spokespeople for the church and the Utah Medical Association declined to comment for this report. Local law enforcement groups also didn't return requests for comment. I'm Natalie Furtick. Thanks again for joining your weekly Weedcast. <laughs>